Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Internet. Welcome to Real Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Joanna Wittgen, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is your favorite podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. J.D., will there be learning? (laughs) Yes. Will there be science? Yeah. Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? Yeah. 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 Joj, look at us. We're on video. I put on actual clothes and did my hair yeah. four days ago. So that's as good as it gets. Normally we do this topless, but <laughs> today we're topful. 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 Yes. Uh, yeah, this is our first uh, time recording. We always, this is what it always looks like for us. We're always, yeah. on, we always see each other on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now we're making this a little more accessible uh, so that y'all can see us on Zoom as Yay. well. We're growing up. Yeah. Meanwhile, our audience is like, oh my gosh, they're models. <laughs> oh my or my God. my worst nightmare is always like and this is true in the dating app stage of my life but like the 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 picture like on our icon and then like what i look like in yeah. real life they'll be like nope too different as somebody who's still hot and heavy in my dating app phase of life <laughs> i gotta say i think about that all the time all of my pictures are within a year I always try to undersell it. (laughs) I also, but I've had people give me some really weird feedback on my photos on dating apps. Like one time somebody was like, every single picture looks like a different person. And I was like, I have many facets to my personality. I don't know what to tell you. I I wouldn't know what to do with that. No. I try to make them look like me, but like not overly hot. Yeah. Cause that comes across better in person. That's a fun surprise. Or for you just don't person. want you just don't want them to feel disappointed by the IRL. Well, that's like again, that's like my worst. Yeah, my worst fear. Yeah. Listen, it's a real one. It's Managing a real one. Disappointment is mostly what most of my mental energy goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear Anticipating that. Anticipating and managing disappointment. Yeah, but. For all of those out there who are relating to this, uh, how'd you meet your husband, Joanna? A dating app. That's right. Yeah. That is right. And he's a photographer, so like he probably could figure it out. Yeah. yeah. He should he should he's I should, a photo expert. I should consult one with could him say. on my on my dating profile. I'll I'll DM him the screenshots and he can tell me whether I actually he's really good at that. <laughs> God, I don't know that I want it. I don't know that I want that feedback. <laughs> He's going to be like, every picture looks like a different person. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know. Are you trying to find guys who are into just like dumpster babies? <laughs> babies? Like, yeah, I'm a little baby, but I look like a dumpster. <laughs> that sounds cute and sad and smelly. That's me. <laughs> That's, That's your brand. Me. That is my whole deal. 
Mm-hmm. I do wish there was a way to screen out people on dating apps who would ask me questions about my job. Like, isn't that so depressing? Or, oh my gosh, I didn't even think like, about that. Mm, are you analyzing me right now? Yeah, <laughs> I get one, that I, a lot. I get that one. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's fun. yeah, I get. And that. I'm like, yeah, I am though. Yeah, but also guess what? like you are to me as well. Yeah, that question I'm alone just... is analysis. <laughs> also, you're like, not also, paying yes. me enough to do any of the heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> enough. <laughs> paying you enough you're not getting paid on your date <laughs> we are doing things very differently yeah mine mine comes from wait what dating apps are you on mine's sugar babies <laughs> i'm on sugar babies i'm on uh, daddy hunter <laughs> i'm on pay my bills in order for me to have dinner with you.com that's, that's a, a new one. one. I like okay. it though because it's very direct, you know. Yeah. Uh no, just kidding. I am not having uh transactional dates. I am not. Uh <laughs> but sometimes you don't that need might be to. nice. It might be nice if it's like, well, I could use some bill payers in my life. Yeah, I mean, who can't, you know? Yeah, who can't? Who who doesn't want their bills paid? Rich. Yeah, I can't think of a single person. Nope. Nope. Anyways, I think we're hamming it up for the cams. Oh. I think we are a little cam hammy. <laughs> shall it's we? Weird. Uh, it's weird to know. Shall that we get into us. the purpose yeah. of uh, the podcast? The purpose of the podcast. Let's do mm-hmm. it. Informational, explorational, something or other. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I'm choosing this week. Yeah. I, uh, there's one tagline, but I feel like it's not specific enough. It is a movie from 1996. Ooh. Okay. Just before our, our hot zone. Yeah. And just like right before. And this is my, this is like a better clue. I wanted it to be a little bit like seasonally themed. Okay. But in a way that I would actually watch because I get scared very easily. <laughs> so okay. 96. Keep that in mind. Okay. 96. Great. This is a very good prep. Okay. Okay. And then the tagline is there's one tagline. Welcome to the witching hour. Is it, um, is it the craft? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I love this movie. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I just remember being like, I have seen it and not, you know, cried and and had nightmares. So, but it's like, it's like, you know, of the, of the season. I love this movie. I love this movie so much. Do you know, I did in 30 minute musicals, the theater company, we did the craft, the musical. Oh, really? Yeah. And I played Manon, who is like the deity that they pray to that grants them their powers, which basically meant I just had to like walk around being like weird and slutty and French and like make the magic happen. So when they'd be like butterflies, <laughs> I would walk out with like butterflies on strings and like do the magic. <laughs> it was That's really amazing. Fun. And I got an amazing review after that show, which was um, uh, an older gentleman came up to me afterwards and said to me, I'm not kidding. There was a witness. Uh Andy Henshaw heard this. An older man came up to me and said, I just have to say that you were just absolutely unavoidable. (laughs) (laughs) And he meant that as a compliment. Yeah. Andy and I looked at each other and we were like, what do we do with that? And so now Andy (laughs) just says it to me all the time. Now, like eight years later, give or take. So you dated him, obviously. That older man? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't offer specifically to pay my bills. So we never reconnected, but um, <laughs> he had. Yeah. That is, that's like so specific and also not at all specific. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I, if he meant it as a compliment, I would, you know, weigh that. I, I would err on that side. I think he meant like he couldn't stop looking at me. Mm-hmm. A little that seems creepy. good. 
a creepy compliment probably is what it is at best. At worst, it is just weirdly an insulting thing to say. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could delivery matters. <laughs> delivery, delivery matters. matters. Yeah. Yeah. And that was DiGiorno. So. <laughs> 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 that was a horrible joke that I love so much. <laughs> That's uh, my favorite type of humor. I mean, it's a good one. Uh, surprise corniness. Surprise corniness. Um, surprise corn. Uh, <laughs> so let's. I I don't know what I'm gonna do research on in this one. When I don't did, like, either. A First Wives Club or like a Coda. I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not already talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm going to speculate wildly about magic and what it could represent. <laughs> oh, great. Normally that's like yeah. my thing is I'll be like, let's yeah. see whether ESP really exists. And you're like, well, no, no, no. I'm going to use it as like a, like a proxy for some delusions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, delusions are welcome. We are the weirdos, mister. Exactly. So should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. (laughs) Bye. Bye. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. We're back. We watched the craft. Ugh. This spooky spooky. Spooky ooky. I <laughs> I love this movie. I love this movie so much. It's, it's it's like wild. Like I feel like I I mean watching there's there's been a few times watching it through our lens of this podcast is like whoa you know (laughs) (laughs) wait that's a literal perfect impression of me watching this movie whoa whoa yeah whoa it was it's yeah it's wild it's wild you know one of my favorite it's like really fun choices (laughs) they just they and again i said in the intro that i did do the like the musical version of this which i should also name uh and also name drop there's an incredible podcast that uh daisy egan uh who acted in the craft the musical with me she has a podcast called strange and unexplained that is like unbelievable highly recommend uh friend of the pod daisy egan but she played feruza balk and did so many like on the nose impressions of the way that feruza balk said these different things i mean like, it's like i want a smaller ass yeah you don't mess with perfection you know you don't even exist to me (laughs) like just these like really perfect yeah god daisy egan tony award winner daisy egan we do love her she's incredible uh also the line that always makes me laugh so hard is i'll want it to rain and then a pipe will burst in my room and it'll just get flooded (laughs) (laughs) there's so many of there's so many choices oh my god i also when, okay, so it had been a while since I had seen it. And when you're talking about Manon, which Manon, mm-hmm. how do you, is it like there's a silent, is it French? Like what is? Yeah, M-A-N-O-N, Manon. Manon, okay. Uh, I was like, did I forget a scene where Manon takes like physical form or something? Like, No, <laughs> I did not. I and he, yeah, he, a non-corporeal yeah. being. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I... So I was a little bit waiting for that and then was like, oh, right. That makes sense, too. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just like the silly way in like a comedy show to like bring out the magic and have it just allowed to be clumsy because the clumsy of it was funny. So like in the scene after they invoke the spirit, like I brought out like a bunch of like plastic dolphins as like it's like these are my gifts. Like I just really like it just was like a fun, stupid way to yeah i love that tricks happen without needing a budget <laughs> i love that 
Um, yeah, yeah, my favorite was Robin Tunney's wig. Robin Tunney's wig. Yeah, that, that was my favorite will part. Not quit. <laughs> it's doing a lot of work. I mean, in the words of Nicki Minaj, there's not a single woman in this game who's not wearing wigs. Um, <laughs> so well said. So well said. Uh, yeah, Robin Tunney wearing a wig, and I'm not sure why. Um, she not sure. Done, she had a real moment at this around this period of time, so it's possible that they just had her wear a wig because, uh, like Nicole Kidman always wears wigs, for instance, because like on every project from start to finish, Nicole Kidman is in a wig because of reshoots. Um, mm. a so like that way you can always go back to having exactly the same hair that you had at the time Smart. you filmed it. Yeah. Uh, and and rule number two is just uh because it just destroys your hair to have to be in these like different styles all the time. Yeah. Um. So if like. At you would be shocked at how little real, uh, well, it's real, it's it's real, but uh, how little natural growing out of your head hair exists in um, film, television, and certainly on a red carpet. Yeah, yeah. Fine. That wig. That wig. Okay. Should we synopsize? Yeah. yeah. This this okay. film has. Like is so it was funny watching it and thinking about how to synopsize it because you're like, wait, now is like the part where like this is the intro. And then this is the part where each one of them has the thing that makes their life tough. And then this yeah. is the part where they do magic. And then this is the part where each one of them gets some level of revenge for the thing that's making their life hard. Like it was one. It was four scenes. You in know what? Row. That's a pretty good synopsis. Uh, thank you. Like yes. it, we could add a sentence to each of those and just call yeah. it. A dang yeah. day. I think we do call it a dingity dang dang day. Uh, so, y'all have seen this movie. We'll be real yeah. quick about this. Joanna, take it away. So it opens on Sarah Robin Tunney, the main character. She's moving to a new town, LA, I guess yeah, it's LA. they live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Brecken Meyer is talking about LA. Um, <laughs> she's starting at a new school. She has a dad school, and a stepmother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone's like really mean. Yeah, so <laughs> like mean. it's like super mean. There's like the popular guy, Skeet Ulrich, uh, and Nev yeah. Campbell. Yeah, and another and another, another movie reunion. Together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, there's you know there's she's going to high school. She's got a dark past. You can you could tell the high school football player hits on her and the witchy girls. Which is Nev Campbell and Fruza Balk and, and Rachel True. Rachel True. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of these outcasts. Um, and but notice something in her because she's like able to float make a pencil. A, or like yeah, float a pencil. a pencil with her mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's got something. So they're like, oh, we need a fourth. And so they're also targeting her and wanting her to be part of their group. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, like everyone in this high school is like mean and weird. And um, yeah. and what happens quickly is the Skeet Ulrich, she like goes out with him, is like very interested, and he like makes up a rumor the next day that um, you know, she slept with him even though she didn't, and everyone at school is talking about her, and then that kind of pushes her towards being part of like this group with, with yeah. this, these three other girls um, yes. who are definitely uh more like on the the outcast side and mm-hmm. I, are they goth like would we call them goth uh i think that nancy feruza bulk's character i think does sit comfortably in like a goth kind of yeah she's got pretty sweet clothes she wears like dog collars and things like that yeah yeah, yeah that's true yeah um, and she wears like dark lipstick and stuff yeah um pale make i mean but... not pale but she's wearing certainly a pale foundation i don't know that it's like, yeah. it's not like white you know, makeup, but it's pale. Yeah. But so, yeah. So then like you learn a little bit more about these girls and about why they're all outcasts. Yeah. One of them has like a horribly racist bully. Christine yeah, Taylor. Played by Christine Taylor. <laughs> um, who's just like, so, I mean, blatantly so, in your face, yeah. clearly, I think Christine Taylor probably has nine lines in this whole film. Yeah. And three of them are just blatantly proactively racist. I mean, yeah, she's like, I don't like black people. And she doesn't yeah. say black people. She does she not says say black people. Thing. She says something more, far more pejorative. Yeah. So, you know, pretty, pretty clear on, on her uh, character. Yes. Uh, so, you know, so that's Rachel. We True, got racism. Or... Uh, Nev Campbell as a child was burned 
And so she has yeah, scars, she scars on her body. Yeah. So she's very shy and very covered up and very like her hair is always in her face and she's very mm-hmm. quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Nancy has like a, a tough home life with her mom and stepdad, who's yeah, like not guy, a good stepdad. guy. Um, and then Sarah, who uh, has this boy who has been who who he got her to like him. And then he, you know, spread this this rumor not and also just a mean rumor like it was not only yeah. that he slept with her but that she was the worst lay of his life which also like is so horrible to say it's just it's just yeah it's stupid it's just stupid. it's like very blatant there's no nuance no there's the- no nuance in this in <laughs> yeah. this film why does it always have to be one or the other with you nancy because it is <laughs> Um, so they start sort of advancing their magic in this process. Um, they sort of each name what their goal is. Sarah wants Skeet Ulrich to love her. Rachel True wants, uh, the Christine Taylor to pay. Um, Nev Campbell wants her scar, her burn scars taken away. Mm -hmm. And Nancy doesn't specifically name. She wants wants to take out. She wants power. Yeah, but she specifically wants to take out. You know, her her big sort of conflict is poverty and and a bad guy stepdad. Stepdad, yeah. And lo and behold, by the power of Grayskull, yeah, they do magic. All that stuff happens. It's all that stuff happens. Creepy. And there, there's this one uh, lady who runs the magic store where they often would steal from until Sarah shows up. And Sarah's a good person, so she pays for the books that she uh, uses. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she says, be careful what you do, because the law of nature is what you put out into the world. You'll get back times three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, Nev Campbell, Rachel True and Feruza Balk are like, LOL, we don't care. Right. You're so old. OK, boomer. Like they're like right. not into it. Yeah, they're not here for it. Uh, and Robin Tunney being, you know, the the good person is like, mm, that seems interesting. And I'm a little nervous about what my love spell might result in. So then Which things go bad, bad. Yeah. Uh, what happens? Skeet Ulrich basically becomes like a obsessed stalker. Yes. And it almost it like tries to assault Attempts her. To assault. Well, he assaults her. He just doesn't, he's just uh, not successful in yeah. the R word. Yeah. Um, um, yes. So then, you know, she, Claws her way away from him, gets to Rachel True's. What is the character's? I forget what her character's name is. I forget both of the side. I I just know the actors' names because I'm a good homosexual who knows (laughs) female actors' names. So she makes it to her house. She's telling the girls what happened. Nancy Frizzabalk is like, I'm going to take care of this. And then um, goes to, knows he's at a house party. She's like, (laughs) I this was the part I had questions. Like, is this like jealousy or is it? Well, like... he did it to her first. He right. did this like jealousy. He did the like bad rumor slut shame to Feruza Balk first. So Feruza Balk is like vengeful. I yeah, mean, but really also are... still wants to be with him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like a little bit complicated. But anyways, basically pretends to be. Robin t- pretends to be Sarah, tricks him into sleeping with her. Right. And then when Sarah sh- like shows up and like sees them together, he's all like grossed out. And, yeah. And she's like, uh, <laughs> exactly. <It's> like, <laughs> and then he was like, ah, the window. Jealous? And- you don't even exist to me. And does this <laughs> yeah. like really intense thing. And then her feet drag across the floor. Mm-hmm. And then he gets like blown out the window and dies. Yeah, dies. Um, out of a second story house, which like, I mean, it's possible, but like, I guess with magic, anything's possible. Shooting stars. Yeah. And look, they show the concrete and like the, you know. Right. It's, right, right, right. It's possible. But um. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's so then, bad. That's so the bad Sarah's thing just from like, Sarah's. This this girl has lost her mind her mind. <laughs> and yeah. I just can't be around this anymore. It tries to bind her powers. Yeah. They know that she's trying to do that. Then they come, they they try to kill her. They start tormenting her and try to yeah. um well the other the other girls have their bad things too. So um 
Well, so Rachel Trues, uh, uh, Christine Taylor loses her hair, but it starts to feel like it starts to like the it starts to have like a much darker turn to it. Like it's not just a little bit revenge. Nev Campbell becomes like overly vain uh, yeah. because she's lost her scars now. And so she feels very like, I mean, she's Nev Campbell in the nineties. Like I would be vain too. <laughs> <laughs> An apex predator. Um, Nancy's uh, stepfather has a heart attack, uh, dies. They get all this money and Nancy is now drunk with power and is like yeah. really, really, really going over she's, the top. They even like they're, they're driving and like, Thinking they're invincible and yeah. just like totally out of control. Totally out of control. So now they try to. Uh, so Robin Tunney has told Nancy previously that she has a series, uh, a, a history of, um, uh, uh, of an, an attempted S word is what we have to call this. We're on YouTube now, y'all, and so this means we have <laughs> different to, rules. We have to censor certain words, otherwise we won't exist in the algorithm. So uh, she has previously harmed herself and had to and tried attempted to S word. Uh, and when she she sort of announces that when she was in the phase where that was going on, she um, tried to uh, she was having delusions and hallucinations of like bugs and snakes and things like that. Mm. So she um, is so the the three other girls show up and they start putting like bugs and snakes into her like, you know, mind and brain and stuff. Um, but yeah, so she's hallucinating these like bugs and snakes and they're trying to get her to K word herself again, which like, dang so messed up i just yeah that part really i was just like even when she initially shared with them they were just like huh okay like they just like had no i don't know they were weird about it they were weird about it i did not appreciate their reactions it was not yeah it was kind of it was not supportive it was not supportive um and they then um go to uh they they she goes up into her room and they like continue to whatever. And she decides to on her own and by herself, because she's a natural witch, invoke the spirit. Yeah, this whole time. I mean, she's definitely the most powerful one. The lady at the store like is, you know, telling her she's really powerful. Her mother was a witch, her mother who died in childbirth. And, um, you know, she she definitely has more power than the other girls. And but she's afraid to use it because she sees all of these like negative right. ramifications. But finally, you know, being pushed to the brink, right? Uh, decides to channel that energy. And Channels that energy. Comes super um, powerful. Becomes super powerful. There's a great little witch fight. They say the word pathetic in this movie so many times in a way that just lets you know that like in the mid '90s, being called pathetic was truly like peak insult culture yeah yeah i mean it's still, like, it's still it still would hurt my feelings oh well i mean i don't know i'm just sure. weird like that but i feel like people aren't just running around calling each other pathetic all the that's time true. Are they? that's right? true right like it's not, I, I mean you'd have to really be going for anyways they say all the things are so pathetic um and they uh she fights back uh, binds Nancy, binds her from doing harm, harm against others and harm against herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, there's sort of the the scene ends and then you see the two girls show up at her house like, you know, some time has passed and they're like, hey, Sarah, like, you know, do you ever want to like be for just Nev Campbell and Rachel True? And they're like, hey, Sarah, you ever want to like, you know, call the coroners or like, you know, maybe think about like being like a witch with us again. Uh, Nancy not being in the scene. Uh, and she's like, uh, how about you drop dead <laughs> or like whatever they're basically <laughs> like you tried to get me to s word myself like no and also they they were not genuine like they, they were not sorry. genuine and they were like, like don't we don't have powers power. yeah yeah and then she like w- raises her brows and all of a sudden like samantha stevens like the the like tree falls down um almost on them and they're like mm-hmm. what and she's like i am the sun i am the <laughs> air um, the charm theme song has the charm to theme be song a is part in of it. this movie. Yes, it sure um, is. And uh, and then you see Nancy uh, is in uh, an institution, an institution of some sort. There seems to be some sort of involuntary hospitalization, uh, and she is bound to the bed and is uh, thrashing and and you know saying about men on. He's in me. I feel him in me. Yep. And that's how and that's it ends. The movie. Uh, tune in next week when you do the craft revisited. What was it called? The craft reignited. I think it was yeah, something like that. 
Did you R. watch it? Oh, yeah. Is it good? No. <laughs> it does not seem very good. Did I love it? Yeah. I sure <laughs> did. And I, yeah, I did love it. Is it any um, of the original cast? I'm not going to say. Oh, okay. I know. Uh, thoughts on the movie? Re- yeah, I really. What does okay, this movie so say? The- there was so much and I wanted to like almost re- just like read what people have written about it as like yeah. allegory yeah, and stuff. And I was like, this is like too much for me, honestly, <laughs> because it's like it could be so many things. And it's also just like, I, you know, the, the teen experience and having like severe mental health issues and also witchcraft that I like I just yeah there's there's um an allegory here that I honestly could not bring myself to untangle because it was just like too much you know I found an article that that was exactly that that was this sort of like archetypal um allegorical approach through like Jungian psychology. So Carl Jung is one of the like founding fathers of Okay. I'm I'm happy to listen to this. I literally couldn't bring myself to do that research, but no, I'm very I, happy. I was you just did. gonna say, and I like started into it and I was like, nah, too much. <laughs> it's like it basically so like the, the Jungian uh it, it believes in these sort of like different um archetypes that live within each of us. And it sort of talks about the like conflicting archetype, but basically created somebody created the like this sort of archetype in is it the MBTI? Jungian. No. Okay. Because that's so. also based on like Jungian yeah. psychology. Um, and this sort of was like about the like the witch and like the 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 enchantress or whatever, which like sort of sits. I mean, it does sit in this weird place of, of the, the weird balance of like it's feminism, but also they're like hot teenage girls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, like it's like... it reminds me of Sucker Punch. Have you seen that? Yes. Yes. Like, I mean, Sucker Punch is a little more on the nose. Like Sucker Punch is. is really from like such the male gaze. This at least yeah. felt like it was a little more from the female yeah, gaze. Yeah, yeah than for Sucker sure. Punch. Like. It was definitely they were they seemed related to me, but oh, um, yeah, sucker punch is a little related. bit too much. This one, um, yeah, yes, the, sucker punch is such a great example of like feminism through the male gaze, mm-hmm. uh, like deputized like female power. Uh, mm-hmm. And in this one, it doesn't feel quite so deputized. They do feel like they're sort of taking their own power and having their own kind of journey. Um, yeah, but yeah, I. Uh, I tried to do some Jungian research. It was too, it was too much. Y'all, I am not a Jungian psychologist. It's a lot of metaphor. It's a lot of symbolism in your, in your things. Uh, it's sort of just like one step uh, further into the woo woo. Um, like if you take Freudian psychology, it's like, now let's make it like these like magical little fairy tales that live within all of us. Yeah. Like interesting, fun reading. Yeah. It's super fun. I mean, I think about Very it as fun. like psychological, astrology because <laughs> it's like really fun yeah you know? the anima and the animus which are like the beasts within yeah it's mm-hmm. a very like interesting kind of thing um so uh, what i did do research on because uh i w- was c- kind of curious realizing how much of this film was like a revenge narrative mm-hmm. like this film is about like revenge and of course like you know, I tried to find some stuff on like the psychology of like witchcraft, right? And to, and I tried to kind of go in, but what I yeah, found is like, it's like, like not yeah interesting, like sort of cultural studies on like you know the people of Burma who believe in witchcraft and like how that mm-hmm. witchcraft sort of serves them. But it felt like such a like departure from sort yeah, of where because this movie is like about witchcraft, but it's like not. It's not really about witchcraft, yeah. and in fact, like as someone who played Mena and like really got it, you know in touch with that character it doesn't feel like aligned with Manon's sort of like ethos <laughs> so i just felt like it, you know. i mean it's about power right and reclaiming yes. power yes and revenge what is it uh o- oscar wilde uh paraphrased by janelle monet everything in life is about sex except sex which is power <laughs> like <laughs> i think uh, oscar wilde says everything in life is about sex except sex sex is about power yeah um anyways so I did research on revenge and um, so uh, rather than doing uh, like s- broad sort of studies, I kind of found some little snippets and pieces from like a few different studies that I found really interesting. So one of the things that we have to think about is like uh, 
does how does revenge make us feel? What what is revenge actually doing for us? Like how does it work? So um in in like one of the most famous studies uh there were um uh, essentially the the subjects are victims in an economic exchange game uh where you know they're supposed to you know they're supposed to be communal and somebody of course rips them off right in like mm-hmm. a fake little game we're like oh everybody yeah, puts in a dollar or those, whatever and somebody I love steals those games. Yeah. social psych right um Except in this study, they gave people the opportunity to punish uh, the offender mm. for having like ripped them off, essentially. And what they did was they did um, functional MRI scans while this was all going on. And what they actually found is like in the action, like the act of and moment of um, tit for tat revenge, that uh, this caused similar reactions in the brain to what we see when people ingest like nicotine or cocaine. So like it's addictive. It's well, it's sweet. Certainly. Like our brain is like, Ooh, that's nice. It's rewarding. I like that. Right. It is a rewarding sort of dopamine kind of response. Um, But what's interesting is when we, that is a single, a singular sort of moment of flash in the pan. Uh, and it's also the immediate exactly. impact, right? Yeah, that is immediate. So what we uh, the, what we know when we look a little more broadly is things like um, that revenge often sort of ends up leading to something like a cycle of retaliation, where mm-hmm. if it goes back and forth between two people, all that you've really accomplished is um, extending this turmoil, right? Like all that all that yeah. we have, like we have a lot, and this has been shown over and over and over again. And so like the the theory of like catharsis, which we talk about catharsis being like sort of like a pleasureful sort of comeuppance or like relief, right? Seeing, w- wanting something, feeling angry, and then like the thing you want happens and that feels cathartic, right? When we watch mm-hmm. the bad guy get humiliated in front of the whole school, right? Like mm-hmm. that's catharsis, right? And that actually like when we really look at these long-term effects of catharsis or the ways that it actually impacts people, despite there being a, a moment of immediate satisfaction that like, there's really no uh, consistent validation that like catharsis is ultimately like therapeutic, that it's ultimately like healing and makes people feel. Yeah. Better. I mean, that and makes what, sense. And what we really find is that people who are particularly like revenge motivated or, or focused on something like catharsis actually just prolong the amount of time that they feel angry. People that seek revenge feel angry longer. Um, I wonder if there's a relationship between revenge motivated people and like delayed gratification or just like long-term versus short-term thinking people, because like you want that hit of relief or like gratification in the moment that comes with revenge. Uh But there are long-term consequences that to your point, you're, you're prolonging your own suffering. Totally. And people who are like, low and delayed gratification right they like can't yeah 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 they can't like think about their long-term self they only think about their short-term self and so i'm wondering if there's like i'm sure there's been research there or we just invented science <laughs> and i'm calling it we this is why i'm I not an academia I, co- I co-authored that idea just by being present when you thought of it <laughs> Um, that's our that's like the way we work best together. that is the way we work best um so and they also like one of the articles i found actually pulled a quote from francis bacon sir francis bacon that said mm. um a direct quote that says a man that studieth revenge keeps his own wounds green which otherwise would heal and do well well said that guy Thank knows you up. sir frankie beans <laughs> Um, Frankie beans. Frankie beans. Uh, so um, in another study, uh, uh, Tanya Singer and her colleagues um, decided to compare some like male and female participants because I was like, let's talk about some ladies. <laughs> um, this one is for the ladies. Um, that's a baby mama quote. Um, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about Tanya Singer. I Like, she's great. I, I know her work. Oh, well, great. Yeah. So uh, so she did a study um, looking at uh, another sort of economic game and the ways in which Confederates, meaning people that are there to mess up the people that are being studied, uh, played either fairly or unfairly and then measured the activity in their brains with MRI. Um, and then uh, and they watched the cheating players and the fair players receive an electric shock. So similar to this kind of thing that we talked about at the beginning, right? So in this, men and women actually reacted to the punishment um, for the fair player the same way with the parts of the brain that are like activating for like empathy. 
and and you know this sort of dissonance where they're like oh no this person is fair and we're watching them be harmed by this but uh when they watch the villain of the narrative get this tiny little little mini baby electrocution um what they found was that um everybody disliked or disproved of the the bad guy confederate um but in women uh the um empathy centers were more likely to light up still for the villain the bad guy so the okay. bad guy getting shocked women were still more likely to peak their to spike their empathy a little bit but the dudes were just like navra you made your bed sleep in it uh and so this doesn't mean that women can't be vengeful. I mean, we just watched a movie about it. Well, um, and this is one study. And it's well, one thing. I have lots of thoughts here. There's a lot of confounding variables. What is punishment to men versus women as well? Because oh. like, like physical punishment versus like emotional or social punishment. Right. Um, Cause I feel like, like if, and was the villain, I'm sure they randomized it being a male versus a female. Probably. I don't but have the like, whole thing in front of me. I, I just think that what is thought of as true punishment, because like women also, I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking about like my own pain threshold. It's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah, like oh or or just like what <laughs> just like what actually matters, right? And it's like, oh, I don't want that person to experience physical pain, but like I will like talk about her with my other friend <laughs> right? <laughs> and maybe there's just like a difference in what right. what retaliation no, looks like the thing like i don't want her to get hurt i just want her to suffer <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh no, i'm just like, like how how men and women are like gen like sex and gender differences in what constitutes punishment what yeah. creates a villain like all of these things yeah what is pain and, yeah. and what is the sort of, yeah, what is the consequence? Um, but I, I love both of those studies. Right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, other studies have found that uh, when it comes to things like forgiveness and vengefulness, um, they found that like being unforgiving doesn't necessarily predict vengefulness. And hmm. yeah, so okay. you can like never forgive. But it doesn't mean you want to like attack. Well, it's like thoughts are not behaviors, right? Thoughts are not behaviors, right? Yeah. I definitely have people who have like wronged me and I've just been like, oh, I guess we're just like not friends. I thought we were friends. Right. We're not friends. Okay, take care. Yeah. Um, but there's I, no like retaliatory. Right. There's no behavior. retaliation. Um, I often like say this in a way where it's like when someone does that kind of thing where like they've harmed me or, you know, hurt me in some way. Uh, that I'm always like, I want them to be so happy, but like a hundred feet away from me. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like, just live over there, but like thrive. Girl, bless your off. heart. The bless like, your yeah. heart. Yeah. Oh, bless your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are some people that are both uh, angry and vengeful. And the magic little element in there, and this is such a buzzword, we're going to explode on YouTube for saying this, is narcissism <laughs> <laughs> so people who get super focused on revenge have low levels of forgiveness and high levels of narcissism this is in a study by ryan p brown makes a lot of sense right and so ryan ryan and the researchers who did the study wrote um the both the narcissists inflated social confidence and the narcissist's sense of entitlement could produce a desire to retaliate against wrongdoers and could reduce constraints on acting on this desire. So it's they both definitely, yeah, react and they feel less constrained about whether they should react. Yeah. I mean, it's this egocentric kind of like, you've wronged me. Yeah. And like that it goes against my personal, like that, that gives yes. me cognitive dissonance because yes. I don't deserve to be wronged. Right. And therefore this needs, I need to like relieve the cognitive dissonance by acting out. Right. 
Which, I mean, we saw a little bit, as I sort of named it earlier, right? When she was like, God, Nancy, why does it either have to be you're in or you're out? Like, and Nancy's like, because that's the way it is, right? So Nancy has this very reactive, retaliatory response where it's like, if you're not going to totally agree with everything we're doing as a coven or whatever, then like you're out and you should K-word yourself. Yeah, it's it's a very like there's no middle ground, which we can agree. Like those are pretty extreme things. You either have to approve of our like full on abuse to people in our lives or. D word. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. And I I think it's fair to say that Nancy is like high in narcissism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So um, that makes a lot of sense. I, I love think it. so. She just gets to decide who lives and dies. I mean, mm-hmm. what makes that narcissistic? Um, <laughs> but the last thing I wanted to look at, and I'm actually shocked at how little research I could find on this topic um, because of how, I mean, it is not a universal um, phenomenon, but uh, it is like certainly like, cross-cultural we see many different cultures where we have this phenomenon that is the teen goth mm-hmm. uh we see this in i i know certainly i've seen this within like asian cultures uh modern asian culture contemporary asian culture and i've seen this within like western culture as well uh there's a lot more cultures than just those two things that i am naming so like I'm, i don't want to generalize to all but i will say that i've seen a bunch of it in those cases mm-hmm. uh, at least anecdotally yeah um And so uh, I really am surprised that there's not more about this sort of like teen uh, angst manifestation. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much research on like depression and anxiety in adolescence that like it's just a surprise to me. So I found one study um, and I'll say it really, I'll summarize it really quickly, which is uh, by somebody named Lucy Bowes um, or Bowes, B-O-W-E-S, which did a study on, uh, on subjects who identified as goths at age 15 um and they showed that like by 18 they were more likely to be diagnosed with clinical depression three times more likely to be diagnosed with clinical depression and five times more likely to report self-harm in Mm. comparison with other teenagers because on this podcast we talk about what mental health (laughs) so in this um you know what she she talks about is like this sort of has created a lot of conversation right um and about whether it's like, oh, does goth like style, d- does dressing goth or listening to like goth music make you, you know, self-harm in some way? And she's like, well, no, what this study was really looking at is a correlation here. And what mm-hmm. we're seeing is that people who uh, it, it one possibility, one possible explanation, because, again, I also can't say this causally. But like one realistic, you know, thing is that it, in our culture, which is so toxically positive, that like yeah. kids who, who chronically feel sad feel so much more welcomed into this sort of like microculture, this subculture that is like happy to be bummed about stuff, right? That feels like they're able to actually engage in that sadness, share that sadness, discuss that sadness with other people, and sort of not have to put on this sort of chipper bright smile which like is is so is so harmful and so that what she's essentially saying is not that like it's it's this research does not say being goth uh makes you depressed what it says though is that there's it makes sense that there are reasons that people who are depressed would have wanted to engage in goth or like would also identify as yeah yeah also identify as goth (laughs) That makes so much sense. I feel like too, I mean, pre-goth like American teen culture, like what is more stereotypical and like the cheerleader, right? Which is so toxic positivity at its finest, right? Like, yes, I think it makes perfect sense that, that some, the kind of anti cheerleader would have come out, you know, cause there's also like a very stereotypical culture and identity associated with being a cheerleader which is like the uniform the toxic positivity and that Mm -hmm. there would also be sort of like an anti cheerleader uniform and culture and like like that that would those would kind of like co-evolve they would have to right and and this movie does such a nice job of showing that like the reason that these three girls uh 
go toward this sort of like dark sistership, sister sisterhood, <laughs> sistership. <laughs> um, but the they they go toward this is because like the rest of the school is so abusive that like this like they at least get to feel like authentically like mad together rather than and it just helps being it, yeah abused. it helps unify their identity with one another totally yeah there is that nice sort of like in group kind of thing and what's so you know the fun thing about this movie is that like it takes the outcasts and makes them powerful right like, literally yeah um so it's like a very tempting sort of um you know narrative especially when we think about just like how many like how how many narratives are always like you know like the breakfast club right takes these like unlikely outcasts and like makes them whatever or like mm -hmm. but like i don't know like i think about shows like like the power rangers where it was like they're all actually the best kids in school and they're superheroes like that kind right. of thing is like so alienating for people that are it like is. oh i'm not this like white fit like straight i mean talk about breakfast club like that's the ultimate like mix oh this outcast you know, just let's just give her a makeover and then yeah. she'll be like the rest of us and she'll be happy now. Like, you yeah. know, like that was the only thing that was wrong. And we fixed her to <laughs> conform more towards like these, you know, popular and smart students. Totally. Yeah, totally. There's so much. I yeah, love it. It's a great film. I mean, great I idea just, for a podcast. It is. That would be a great one. So I studied something sort of adjacent. Yeah, but yeah, yeah important to adjacent priestly <laughs> important to like distinguish because what okay so i looked into deviant peer groups okay yeah. and what i want to be clear about is that goth is not the same thing as a deviant peer group yeah because what is meant by deviant behavior we're talking about you know criminal substance abuse yeah um, th things like things like homosexual that. behavior and <laughs> And what what worries me about the message of this movie is that, you know, these goth slash witchy girls are also criminals. <laughs> and, and I don't want people to think like if you have goth kids at your school. They're also criminals. They're also um, just like murdering football players. Yeah, the second they get any power. So it's good that we, you know, oppress them. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> So just to like really be clear about that is not what I'm Here's saying. Here's the thing. Let's just make a blanket statement. We are anti-oppression <laughs> on this podcast. It's brave. We've been, you know, worried about saying it, but let's just yeah. say it. Let's just say it. We like, fall I'm just going to come out. Yeah. Anti. Yeah. Anti-oppression. Yeah. Um, you heard it here first. But basically, I looked at deviant peer groups and incidents of depression. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, like I said, these deviant peer groups are not just dressing in all black. They are, they are doing, you know, criminal, uh, they have criminal involvement. They're, you know, um, abusing drugs. Um, but basically looking at that relationship or that correlation, the same thing that you were looking at, like, is right. this, there's two explanations, right? Is it that people uh, who are predisposed to these kind of externalizing behaviors like aggression and crime and whatever, right. join peer groups that do these things together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, or form these these peer groups, or is that are there distinct and you know separable peer group influences that cause kind of depression? Um, you know, as a as the consequence, right? Right. So are they coming together already predisposed or are there peer group influences that are causing the depression? Right. Um, and basically they looked at two populations. One was in Canada, one was in New Zealand. Um, and basically, you know, they have seen prior to this study, they've seen a correlation with deviant peers reported more depressive feelings than those who affiliated with non-deviant peers. Mm -hmm. um, and so really just trying to understand what's underlying that correlation. Um, and so, you know, they looked at depression. Um, they also looked at peer affiliations uh, and, and they also looked at potentially confounding 
and mediating variables. So confounding variables would be like explanatory variables that would lead people to form these groups. Mediating variables would be like variables that would, through the the participation in this group, lead to depression. Right. So um, some of the confounding variables like social disadvantage, family dysfunction, so kind of pre-existing conditions, right? Uh Uh, Childhood behavioral adjustment. Um, And then some of the mediating factors that they looked at were these externalizing behaviors like the crime and substance abuse specifically or stressful events like interpersonal difficulties, adverse life events, being bullied at school. (laughs) Um, Right. And so what they found was basically... Um, you know, these deviant peer affiliations were associated with increased depressive symptoms, um, even controlling for those confounding factors, which reduced that association. So it explained some of that relationship, but not all of it. It right. still remains significant. So the answer is both, right? So there's some pre-existing kind of confounding variables that lead people to affiliate with one another. That's kind of, um, supports your right your findings again not conflating deviant behavior with being goth but um <laughs> you know really, just the fact really that there's like that. <laughs> because i think it's important goth like and they're non-deviant yeah like just yeah because i feel like there's a lot of like bullying of like people i don't know whatever totally there's um, a lot i was like, not a goth like in a high real, school i feel a like a real I'm... history of like satanic panic and all this stuff too where it's like <laughs> yeah black, exactly like, wearing black does not mean you worship satan Totally. It's a, it's a form of expression that can be whatever anyways. So then, um, but there were some mediating uh, explanatory variables Mm -hmm. like alcohol abuse, um, experiencing trauma together, um, things like that. So, you know, there is, it's kind of like both there's definitely you can form a, a group that's, that's doing deviant behaviors because you have, Just like we see in this movie, right? They all had their own kind of personal histories that led them to like be together uh, and and form a group together. But also they did some bad stuff together (laughs) as well. They did. Um, And so that, you know, also led to their, you know, each of them, I don't think are doing super well mental health wise, although we can't say for sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that this this is also like, um, and I'm totally paraphrasing, but also like similar things. Uh, I mean, for deviant behavior, like there are real study, there are lots of studies as well into things like gang activity, and like that mm-hmm. sort of like what what leads you know teenagers to engage in like gang activity, and it is it's a both, it's an either or slash a both and in the sense yeah. of like it is both like needing acceptance, but it is also like the sort of um you know, cultural currency. And that is not to say that gang activity is a broadly culturally upheld or lauded or, you know, not to name any culture being pro gang activity by any means, but sort of being raised in sort of uh, the situation in which like the easiest route to acceptance is through this kind of um, activity. And and it's also a little bit of both, right? That there are, you know, and we've talked a lot about, um, especially in the early episodes, about things like antisocial personality disorder and stuff. Right. Like, is this, you know, that like the, the it's very, the, a lot of this research is very gendered in that it's like very male, but also a lot of this, like uh, the threshold for like people of color to meet criteria, specifically men of color to meet criteria for antisocial personality disorder is like so vastly like um, it's such a low threshold because like of the perception of aggressiveness and aggression and all of those things. But um, yes. I digress. Uh, but yeah, this is fascinating. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I just like watched a little movie and uh, came up with some stuff. I, I, I do love this movie. I feel like it's definitely one that I don't know if you've never seen it when you were younger and you tried to watch it now. <laughs> I don't know how much you would love it. Um, I know but... I would love it, but only because like <laughs> I love this like era of film in general. Like there are yeah. movies that like I just haven't seen before that like it's of a time where it's just like I'm so on of a time. Speaking of like, I actually last night watched the movie Serial Mom for the first time, which is like a John Waters film uh, with Matthew Lillard because you know 
I always confuse Ski Ulrich and Matthew Lillard. Listen to the yes. stream episode where I go through this whole thing where I really do think <laughs> okay. that like Matthew Lillard looks like his name should be Ski. Right. Ski looks like his name. That's should a be really Matthew. good point. Yeah. Um. Right. With that, with those facial expressions that Matthew Lillard yes. is doing, that's a Ski. That yeah. guy's name is Ski. A hundred percent. Um. Anyways. Uh. And like watching that film for the first time last night was so fun for me. But it's also John Waters, so it's like high camp yeah. kind of. Yeah. Silliness. Yeah. Um, great Halloween viewing, y'all. We're not gonna do I it. Gotta watch it. But Serial Mom, great movie. Um, yeah, I love, I love this movie. I love the suggestion. It's so fun to rewatch, like such a favorite and cherished, like canonical piece of nineties yeah. culture in yeah. October. It's it's of it's of it's of the moment. I think very it's of the seasonally mom. appropriate. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. seasonally expressive instead of seasonally <laughs> depressive um seasonally seasonally representative um well do you have anything else on this one or should we should we tease the next one yeah let's like dabble into our new format yeah so dabble. we've got a new format y'all new format alert <laughs> so instead of introducing and doing our whole little guessing moment where you already know the answer we're gonna we're gonna tease our movies at the end we should have been doing this we should have been doing this the whole time the it whole was time. A, a lack of preparation on our part and not a lack of wanting to do it truly but also now y'all get to guess uh in these things too so i just have to pull up my little uh log line um Hold, please. This will be edited out. <laughs> Holding. Okay. If you don't get this, sorry, I've really, I've really set a high mark, but I, there's one. Okay. I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna get it. Okay. This is a movie from 1985. Mm-hmm. We were not born. We were not born. Uh-huh. Um, we actually mean that this time. Most of the time when we make jokes about like <laughs> movies in the 90s, we're like, oh, my God, that's when my mom was born. But like, actually, actually neither we of were. us, neither of us was uh, Just barely though. born. Yeah. Um, 1985. Here is the tagline. It's not just a game anymore. Murder, madness, mystery and mayhem. More fun than you can imagine. Is it a clue? Yeah. Oh my god, this is such a good movie. Yeah. I'm so excited. I was gonna say the Breakfast Club just because of what we talked about, but obviously that tagline makes no sense with the <laughs> murder <Club>. mayhem. <laughs> it's not just a game anymore. Uh yeah. I love this movie so much. Oh my god, what a good pick. I love this movie. It's I such love a this fun movie Halloween and this movie. game. Yeah, it's just I, a good game, too. I love this game. Um, oh my gosh, my niece and nephew don't watch this, but one time I was playing Clue with my niece and she was like, she won. We get to the very end of the game and she wins the game. It was like, ha, I win, like blah, 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 blah. And she like revealed her thing. And I was like, Alexis, I guessed this exact thing for you like eight <laughs> rounds ago. And she was like, what? And I was like, I literally guessed this. And she was like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> she felt so bad. <laughs> Anyways. You're a bad uncle. That's such a terrible (laughs) uncle. Uh, But yeah, anyways, uh, such a fun movie. Okay, I'm so psyched. This is going to be great. It's the Halloweeniest. I'm so real psyched. (laughs) (laughs) You're not fake psyched. I'm real psyched. You are real psyched. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's our new new ending. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I have been Dr. J.D. Barton. And I have been Dr. Joanna Whitkin. This has been another gorgeous episode of Real Psych. So we're just going to need you to rate, like, like, rate, rate, <laughs> subscribe. Check us out on YouTube that we check finally us out on YouTube. have. Yeah. Maybe you're already on, on YouTube. YouTube. And in that case, check us out check wherever us you get out. your podcasts and listen to all of our old episodes. Because this is yeah. the only one we have here right now. Yeah. Um, y'all, it's been fun. We'll be back next week with Clue. Yay. We love you. We love you. Keep it real. Psych. <laughs> no, but do. But do. Do. Actually, please do keep it real, guys. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.